shall we pray. Kind and gracious Father, give of every good and perfect gift. For this opportunity to share your word, we are thankful. For how you have watched over us, shielded us from the storms. You've allowed us to enjoy another day of life. You woke us early this morning with your touch of love. Gave us the right heart and the right spirit to enter into this place with praise. And for this we are thankful. We thank you for our leader, Bishop Blake, and for all that he does for the body of Christ. We thank you for his family. We thank you for the West Angeles family and those who are listening by internet around the world and others who will listen and view this at some form or another. It is our prayer that you will allow this word to minister to them where they are, to heal the hurtful places and to bring deliverance and salvation to all who require. We love you, Lord, and we adore you. We lift you up. We praise you now. And now, God, we ask that you will send a word, send a rhema word that will minister to us even now. And we promise to give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you on this morning. It is a blessing and a privilege to be here in the house of the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We thank the Lord for each and every one of you and for this awesome opportunity. Again, thank you, Presiding Bishop. We are grateful for all of his staff, his lovely wife, and I celebrate uh, Vice President Althea Sims as the Vice President of the International Sunday School Department. Congratulations and God bless you. And I thank God for the young lady who's the love of my life. Amen. When we first met, she could not stand the ground I walked on. She was a saved girl, and I was somebody who needed prayer. Amen. And simply because I wore purple and gold, that was not the bishop's purple and gold, but another purple and gold. She did not want to have anything to do with people who barked at folks and howled at the moon and walked around throwing. So she didn't want to have anything to do with anybody like that. But the night the Lord saved me, filled me with the Holy Ghost and called me to preach. He also said, the little girl sitting on the organ is going to be your wife. And I was like, oh, praise God. And I looked over, her hands were up, tears flowing, and she was crying out to God. Most people thought she was saying, yes, yes, yes. She was saying, no, no, no. <laughs> but God, in his infinite wisdom, joined us together, and it's been 34 years Will you help me say amen for Supervisor Vanessa Gale Winbush Gatling? I certainly require your prayers today as we celebrate all over the world today. Today is Father's Day. And I pray that I will be able to bring a word to those of us who are alive, acting as fathers, and perhaps some fun memories for some of you who may have lost your father. And if there is any gentleman in your life who acts as a father or big brother, I pray that today's word will be encouraging to you. From the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. The Gospel of Luke chapter 15. I will not read the entire passage of scripture. Most of us have heard in some shape, form, or fashion the story of the prodigal son. It is in a series of parables that Jesus gives concerning items that were lost and then found. 
We have the lost sheep found there. We have the lost coin found there. And now we have a father who rejoices because his lost son is also found. And in this day and age in which we live, we have some terrible statistics to overcome. Uh, no matter who you read or what doctor or psychologist or is pronouncing it, all of the sociologists agree that it appears that the family is going through some real crisis, that real men are very far, few, and in between. This is not based on any nationality or the complexion of one's skin, but it's a fact of what's happening to men everywhere. But today in our text, Jesus gives emphasis on three characters. The son who is called the prodigal, took his money, went it out, wasted it. Also the big brother who stayed home. And though he stayed home, we discover at the end of the parable that he was just as lost as the one who went out. But today I would like to concentrate for a minute if you will, on the actions of the man who ruled the house, and that was the father. In Luke 15 and 20, and he arose, thinking about the prodigal son, and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. May God bless the reading of his word, and the church said amen. amen. Most of us as parents try to rear our children to have a mind of their own. We are concerned when our sons and daughters turn out to be followers rather than leaders. In the text today, this father apparently had done a super job because both of his children, though gravely different, had minds of their own. They had no self-esteem problem that was visible to the naked eye. They appear to be confident even though they are not the same. They are assured and they are men in their own rights. They have no real fear about them. They're not afraid of the unknown one even dares to travel to unknown destinations, seeking other opportunities, new friends, and to embrace a lifestyle that he did not grow up with. These men were true and serious brothers. However, their father had for both of them an unconditional love, a love that was without measure, a love that you could not put a dollar and cent sign on it. A love that said whatever was his belonged to his children. I can recall rearing my own sons and I thank God for Brandon and Paul and I've been blessed with one preacher 
one writer, musician, and when the preacher was a young college student, he kept on asking his mother and I for a little truck, just a little truck, a little Ford F-150, and, and I didn't understand why he wanted a truck. I'd already given him my truck that I had been driving for 16 years, so why would he want a new truck? when he had my truck and I love my truck and I made it a gift of him and just because it was only you know about the almost the same age as he was I couldn't understand why he wanted a new one however his mother talked me into getting him a new truck and one day we took him out to dinner and I kept asking about this vehicle not not letting him know that it was right outside the restaurant and when we walked out, I said, what about that? No, that's too big. What about that? No, that's too big. What about? Now, that one is just right. And I said, here you go. And he said, Daddy, don't play with me. And he hit the button, and it went beep, beep. Oh, my God. The folks were lined up to get in the restaurant. My son started running and leaping and jumping and saying, thank you, thank you. Th oh, my. And all of the folks waiting just started applauding. Yay. They didn't know him, but they were happy for him. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and there's a wet spot on my shirt. And I'm like, did I spill something in the cafeteria or in the restaurant? But it was tears coming from my eyes. And I called my father. I said, why didn't you tell me? He said, tell you what, son, how much joy I would receive when I was able to bless my children with what they really desire. And he said, well, son, I can't tell you everything. Some things you got to learn about parenting on your own. So those of you who have been through this, you understand what it really feels like to be able to tell your child there is money for college or you can have this thing that you desire or something that everyone else said was impossible. You made it happen. That is the greatest feeling in the world when you can bless those that you love dearly. Your heavenly father, I wish I could get one amen, feels the same way when he can do for you what you really desires. Somebody give God some in advance praise. Oh, come on, it shall go red. Now, we've heard about what happened to this son. But what about the parent? When we examine all that the young man went through, riotous living, wine, women, songs, fraternity parties, wasting his money, poor investments, trying to buy happiness, trying to buy love, trying to make people love him because of what he had. When he lost it all and found himself almost an indentured servant, doing things that a person of his stature, of his nature, of his upbringing, had no business doing, he thought to himself, why should I die from starvation when everything I need is in my father's house. Your children and my children and others may some point or another leave the nest and get involved with the wrong crowd, fall in love with the wrong kind of young man, run with the gangs and others that you know they were not brought up that way, but for whatever reason, they wind up lost. This parable today gives us hope that there is a heavenly father who will always be standing in the gap, lifting us up. And when we seek him out, 
he will never turn his back on us. Somebody shout praise God. Listen to what happens here. The Bible says, as the son decides I'm going home, when his father saw him afar off, meaning that God is still looking for his own. Before the young man knew what really needed to happen, God was already looking for him. For those of you who are fathers and you have done the best you can, for those of you who are mothers and you've had to be mother, father, grandmother, everything to your child, and it seems like it did not work out, I want to encourage you today that your heavenly father is still listening, he's still watching, he will honor his promise, and he is looking for your child. Somebody shout glory. He knows where you are. He knows what they're doing. He knows what they're going through. And he is just waiting on their return. This father saw way down the road and he said, that looks like Junior. Walks like Junior. I've heard Junior's up to some bad stuff, but is it possible that that could be Junior? The Bible says he leaped off the porch and started running swiftly to meet his son. I'm grateful for a heavenly father that one day when he saw me lost and going astray, he leaped from where he was and started running to meet me. And when he saw that it was I, oh my God, he got in a hurry and said, that's my child. I got to find him. I have some love for him. Watch what happens next. As he gets closer to the boy, he finds him dirty, finds him stinking, not smelling so good, not faring well. His clothes are raggedy and torn. There's no ring on his finger indicating who he belongs to. His shoes are gone. And his child looks like someone who has been battered, beaten up, thrown away, and left for dead. Reminds me of the song that my mother used to play every Sunday morning. If you see my child somewhere as you're journey here and there, tell him I'm waiting for my child to come home. When the father met this child, he does the same thing your heavenly father does. Threw his arms around him, fell on his neck and kissed him. Never mind how dirty you are. Never mind what you smell like. Never mind what you look like. Not one word of rebuke. Not one word of what happened to your boy, what happened to my money, what happened to your clothes, where's your, not one word, simply an embrace of love, of comfort, of cheer, of joy, because he is his father. I was not one of those people that just lectured my children. Between the ages of 1 through 11, sometimes I had to brush their backside, not much just a little bit. With the kind of mother they had, she didn't leave much else behind, amen. So one of us had to do the lecturing. And they got so brilliant after a while, I could say why, and they would sit down and give me a doctoral thesis on why they messed up, why their grades were not what they were supposed to be, why they missed curfew or whatever. And I was like, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? But because we loved them, We understood that there must be compassion, there must be joy, there must be strength, and we continue to minister to them, even as this father ministers to his child. The message that the father is giving here is love never runs out. 
If you're sitting anywhere close to a family member, just took look at them and say, my love for you will never run out. Now tell the other person behind you, in the place of your child, tell them, my love for you will never run dry. When you love somebody, the love is unconditional. Watch what the father does next. When the servants and others see that his child is home, he gives them a command. Bring forth the best robe. Somebody say best robe. And not only did he say bring it forth, he didn't say offer it to him. He said put it on him. This father looking at his child raggedy, torn, dirty, not smelling so good. So, oh, but this is still my child underneath all this mess, underneath all this confusion, underneath all of this. This is still my child. Put the best robe on him. That robe indicated that he was royalty. That robe indicated that though he has messed up, he still belongs to me. That robe indicated that this is not a coat to cover you in the times of coolness or when you are cold, but this is a robe to show that you are still a prince. You are still a great man. You are still my child. This robe indicates that I know you and because you used to be mine, you are mine one more time. Though you have lost your money, though you have backslid, though you have fallen on hard times, this robe indicates that I will still accept you as my child. Somebody shout hallelujah. When you got saved, brothers and sisters, when you returned to your father, when you made up your mind, I owe God something. I owe him some love, some peace, some satisfaction. And you said, Father, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, regardless to whether you smell like you came out of the club, whether you still have the order of reefer on you, whether you still have the dirt of being in the wrong places at the wrong time. Your Father put a heavenly robe on you to cover up everything that you have been through. The other reason the Lord put that robe on you was to remind you that you're not where you came from, but you are where you are right now. I heard a man explain it a little better. He said, I'm so glad I don't look like what I've been through. When the master puts the robe of glory on us, the robe of righteousness, the robe of acceptance, he's telling you, you will no longer look like what you have been through. You won't look like you've been wounded, you've been hurt, you've been deceived, you've been bamboozled, you've been broken, you've been destroyed, you've been lied on, you've been lied to, you have lost all. But when God puts his robe on you, he calls you a prince. He calls you a king's child. He calls you somebody. He calls you the I am born of man and now belonging to God. Can anybody shout glory in the house? Oh, come on and let's give God some praise. Let's turn to your neighbor and say, oh neighbor, you should have seen me before I met Jesus. You should have seen me before I went to my father's house. You should have seen me before I got my act together. And now I give God praise. This father, after putting the robe on him, he asked them, bring him a ring. And they must have looked at him, a ring? The ring? Yes. Bring him a ring. The signet ring. 
the one that bare the arms of the family, in token of his being a part or a branch of the family. Rich people wore rings. And his father signified that though he had spent one portion, yet upon his return home, I've got some good news for him. This young man, and as we understand this parable, lost one half of the fortune that his father had spent a lifetime earning. The other half goes to the big brother who remains home. But when the father put the ring back on the child's finger, the ring is more than saying that you are a Gatlin or you are a Blake or you are whatever surname. The ring is more than we're glad you're home. The ring is more than thank God you're alive. The ring signifies that though you have lost everything, everything that you have lost, it shall be restored. Oh, you missed that, huh? See, when you come back to your father's house, no matter what mistakes you made last year, yesteryear, in your first marriage or second marriage or in your first life or whatever, when you return to your father's house and he acts for the robe to indicate you are his property, puts the ring on your finger to indicate you're still family, Everything the devil stole, God says, I'm going to give it back. Anybody want to claim that today? Somebody stand on your feet, lift your hand in the air, and say, put a ring on it, Lord. Come on and say it again. Put a ring on it, Lord. And now let's give God some praise. Give God some praise. The house you lost, God has got a better one for you. The job you lost, God has a better one for you. The business you lost, the things that were once yours that the enemy took away, God says you're getting it back. Somebody give God some praise in here. Oh, come on and give God some praise and tell him, Lord, I'm getting it back. I know you're on the first step now, but I'm getting it back, Lord. I don't have good credit, but I'm getting it back, Lord. The banker may have said no, but I'm getting it back, Lord. Somebody shout glory in the house. Turn around and encourage three people and tell them you're getting it all back. Tell them again, you're getting it all back. When you decided to go home, you're getting it all back. You're getting it all back. If I could bring Job to testify, Job would tell you, I lost it all. But I had one word. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you all the days of my appointed time I'm waiting until my change come somebody give God some praise for the change prodigal son prodigal daughter lost sister lost brother your heavenly father says you're getting it all back somebody shout glory alright you may be seated I feel this thing now. Not only did they put the robe on him, not only did they put the ring on his finger, but there's one more item that God, the Father, understood was necessary. He said, bring him a new pair of shoes. It's not right to be clothed in fine garments diamond rings on your hand 
and your shoes are a mess. In the country, when we didn't have much, they taught us how to always keep clean shoes. So we had to go barefoot in the summertime because sometimes the kids and all-stars would wear out. But you could not put on your Sunday go to the meeting shoes to go play marbles, ride your bicycle, or go work in the fields because those shoes were for a special occasion. And so now the father says, bring him some of my good shoes, the best shoes. And the shoes indicate that where God wants you to go, you cannot go barefooted, but you need to have your feet shod for the preparation of the gospel of peace. Some of us, we got on a nice set of clothes. We got a ring on our fingers, but you're barefooting because you won't go where God told you. You're barefooting because you're scared to go to the place God ordained. You're barefooting because you always have an excuse for not doing what God said. But if you will allow your father to take you to his house, he will take your old shoes off and put some new kicks on. The kind of shoes that will help you to go where you wanna go. The kind of shoes that will help you to leap high and fly like Superman. The kind of shoes that will help you to let the power of the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you loud. We need some new shoes. We need some new glory. Lord, if you put the shoes on my feet, I'll teach Sunday school. I'll go to Bible study. I'll go to the ministry that's down in the jail. Oh Lord, give me some new shoes. Just grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, new shoes is what we need. New shoes to cross the waters. New shoes to go into muddy places. New shoes to go into dry places. Somebody say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Glory to God. Let me close here. One more thing. He says, my son is home. But I need to do one more thing. He said, go tell the boys down at the barn to bring forth the fatty calf. And it's time to celebrate. Somebody help me say, celebrate. It's all right to do it in church. Help me say, celebrate. Celebrate. My son, which was dead, is now alive. My son that was lost is now found. And I need somebody to help me to celebrate. And the celebration meant that we had to have food. And the Bible is letting you know that the kind of food that when you get back to your father's house is bread not from the bakery, but it's manna from on high because Jesus will be the bread of life. And I hear the word saying, all heaven 